in college, I did the dumbest thing you could do. I got a, a credit card. I think my sign-up bonus for the University of Pittsburgh MasterCard was a uh, umbrella that they were giving out in the quad. I think now uh, credit card companies aren't allowed to uh, to market on college campuses like they did in the uh, in the good old days. But I think maybe it was a five thousand dollar credit limit. And what did I do? I mean, treated my friends to drinks at the bar and treated it like it was free money, which is like the number one thing you should not do when you get a line of credit. You know, booked a trip to spring break to Ireland because it was only $300, you know. So all of a sudden I found myself in debt. I remember going to my parents to, I, I had a panic attack. I had met up with my friends at a diner, had a bunch of coffee at like midnight. And I remember going home and my heart attack, or my heart, I thought I was having a heart attack. And meanwhile, it was just really an anxiety attack induced by lots of caffeine. But I realized I was stuck in a rut. And I went to my parents for a bailout and they were like, no way. You know, like, this is a lesson you need to learn. We're not just gonna bail you out. I'm Doug Bopes, personal trainer, best-selling author and entrepreneur. And I'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to the Adversity Advantage podcast, where we will help you use obstacles, failures, and setbacks to give you that edge needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So please sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. Welcome back to another episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bopes, and today's guest is Brian Kelly. Brian is the founder of The Points Guy, the leading voice when it comes to loyalty programs, credit cards, and travel. Brian launched The Points Guy in 2010 during his time as a Wall Street road warrior, where he developed his keen sense for maximizing travel experiences while minimizing spending. Since then, Brian has grown the company into a powerhouse travel and lifestyle media platform with a team of distinguished editors and freelancers that spans the globe. And I cannot think of a better time to have this conversation with everything going on in the travel world. So with that said, let's get this conversation going and welcome Brian Kelly to the Adversity Advantage podcast. Brian, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. This is fun. I'm excited to talk to you because like I said a minute ago, I've been doing this all wrong myself. But before we get into the weeds of how to maximize credit cards, maximize points, rewards, I think when a lot of people hear those words, the number one word that comes to mind is debt. And they're like, man, this guy doesn't understand. I'm in all this debt or I'm gonna end up putting myself in all this debt. And I know you had an unhealthy relationship with credit cards back in college, and it's really transformed how you view debt now. So what was going on at that time in your life and how did that experience like shape your relationship with debt and how you handle it today? Yeah, and I'll be very clear up front, the points game, you can do it without doing credit cards at all. There are plenty of ways to play. But you know, the way to really supercharge is by the use of credit cards. The US is one of the most lucrative, actually it's the most lucrative country in the world in terms of how many points consumers can get for pretty much any purchase under the sun. But there is no way you win at this game if you're carrying huge balances because any of the points that you earn, if you're paying 20% APR, forget about trying to even get any of that back in value through the use of travel. So yes, the name of the game is being smart, paying your bills off in full every month, but if you can get to a place where you're putting expenses on credit cards, 
accruing valuable points and then paying them off in full, that's how you win. So I never want to encourage anyone to get into debt with points. But I think what surprises people the most is that once you get a good, healthy relationship with credit, having more available credit, having more credit cards actually increases your credit score if you're paying them off on time and in full, which are the two biggest factors of FICO scores. So I love teaching people the way so that start slow, you know, make sure that you're responsible with credit. But the crazy thing is you could be re reaping millions of points traveling the world and your credit score goes up, which opens up so many other doors in your financial life, like lower mortgage rates and preferred pricing. So I guess that's my disclaimer up front. And why am I qualified to talk about this? Well, in college, I did the dumbest thing you could do. I got a, a credit card. I think my sign-up bonus for the University of Pittsburgh MasterCard was a uh, umbrella that they were giving out in the quad. I think now uh, credit card companies aren't allowed to uh, to market on college campuses like they did in the uh, in the good old days. But I think maybe it was a five thousand dollar credit limit. And what did I do? I mean, treated my friends to drinks at the bar and treated it like it was free money, which is like the number one thing you should not do when you get a line of credit. You know, booked a trip to spring break to Ireland because it was only three hundred dollars. You know, so. All of a sudden, I found myself in debt, and um, I remember going to my parents to, I, I had a panic attack. I had met up with my friends at a diner, had a bunch of coffee at like midnight, and I remember going home in my heart attack, or my heart, I thought I was having a heart attack, and meanwhile, it was just really an anxiety attack induced by lots of caffeine, but I realized I was stuck in a rut, and I went to my parents for a bailout. And they were like, no way, you know, like this is a lesson you need to learn. We're not just going to bail you out. What they did was they made me take out a student loan, which, you know, I'd end up paying back for the next 10 years. That's a whole nother thing. But they made me take responsibility for it. And I made some dumb mistakes after that, too, like moving out of my fraternity house. I just didn't pay my Verizon bill thinking that would go away. You know, moved to New York City when I graduated, assuming that all of my indiscretions from Pittsburgh would stay in Pittsburgh. I'm going to move to the big city. And, and that is not how the world works. And my credit score was horrible. I remember my employer was getting, they were about to send my employer to garnish my paycheck. And I even went as far because I was convinced not to go to my parents. I got a payday loan online, which ended up being the most psychotic financial instrument. And funny enough, the company that did the payday loan, I recently saw a Netflix documentary about the owner. He uh, is now in jail. They Yikes. preyed on people who were desperate. And then you literally couldn't pay the, the payday loan off. I remember there was a fee to pay on time. I mean, it was the craziest thing I had, I had dealt with. So long story short, I, I found myself ruined credit, very bleak outlook, couldn't get approved. In 2007, I ended up getting a job at Morgan Stanley where I had to get a corporate Amex as part of my job. And I was so embarrassed because I actually had to get it secured and like a managing director had to sign off on it. So here I am as a new employee, kind of having to go with my tail between my legs. And I was actually worried I wouldn't get the job because my credit was terrible. So many companies do credit checks. So luckily they ended, you know, they did sign off and I had a $10,000 limit, but it took a while, but slow and steady, you pay up your bills, you know, credit, you know, you just have to be maniacal about paying your balances down. I mean, and getting out of the quicksand. So I made a lot of mistakes, but once I was able, you know, once you pay off your outstanding balances, you can dispute some of the old things that 
you know, and hope that they drop off after a number of years. But I think now, once I got my credit score to a place where I was able to get approved for my own credit card, and it took a while of, you know, being able to get the limits up, I think knowing how hard it can be has made me appreciate my score and protect it. And I think if you're listening to this, you should protect your credit score like it's an asset. And, you know, your credit score is the key to so many big things in life. And if you want to get into the points game, you can, but um, you really have to focus on neutralizing your debt and getting it down as much as possible. That should be your first focus. And I always say that the best journey I've ever been on is my journey to becoming debt free and credit worthy and, and the doors that that opens. What a story, man. I, I love these stories where you've taken something that was really painful in your life at the time. And now you've used it to not only build a business and brand, but transform yourself and the way that you see your own relationship with, with debt and credit cards and that sort of thing. I remember when I was in jail back in 2008, a bunch of my credit cards went like delinquent or whatever, because I could physically not make payments on them. And my credit score, excuse me, was in the gutter for so long. I couldn't, it was hard for me to get a car loan. I couldn't get qualified for credit cards. And I literally had to start small with just paying off these small limit credit cards. I think my, my initial limit was like maybe 500 bucks or something. <laughs> Super small. Yeah. And for people listening, I mean, if you have bad credit, just get a secured credit card, you know, where you're going to put $500 cash, you basically prepay it. But like I said before, and everyone should just go to FICO's website, they say the amount of times you pay your bill on time and your debt to credit ratio, those are the two biggest factors of your score. So even if you start with a secured credit card, you pay it off every month, you pay it in full, you do that enough and then low, you know, your score will eventually go up. But, you know, and especially for immigrants, if you could be a billionaire living in London and move to the United States and you've got the credit profile of a 16 year old, there's a lot of people out there that fall into that category. There's a site called Nova Credit, which is the first ever international credit score. So if you are an immigrant to the US, you can actually now transfer your credit score from other countries and apply for Amex cards and other phone bills, et cetera. But, you know, this country, I mean, in the world, like having a credit score is your key to everything and getting your, uh, that credit score to a good place really makes your life a whole lot better. Did, did, I'm curious about being in jail. I never thought about that with credit cards. Did the credit card companies ever have a plan? Like, could you just say, explain your situation and see, you know, it's been so long. It's been uh, like what, almost 14 years at this point, but as I remember, I think I was able to settle and not pay the full amount because I was literally like, that was the one, I guess, time where being in jail worked to my advantage, where I could be like, listen, I was incarcerated for several months and it's not that I didn't want to pay the bill. I physically couldn't, but it was really humbling when I went to go buy a car for the first time, like after getting out of jail and I couldn't buy a used car because the car was a lot, I don't know, for some reason, it's a lot harder to get a used car loan than it is a new car loan. My interest rate, I forget the exact rate, but it was like, it was super high. It was like 10% or something like that on the new car. But yeah, I mean, I think a good tip for anyone, if you have bad credit or outstanding debts, definitely pick up the phone. Like the head in the sand method for dealing with things in life, which many of us resort to when we are faced with complex, that doesn't really work with the credit card companies. And they're like pit bulls and they'll sell your credit to a debt collector. And so, yeah, I think picking up the phone, calling and negotiating and having those tough conversations is the way to go. And I'd say for even with or any college students listening now or kid, you know parents with kids in college, start building credit now. And, and kids when they're 16, 18 should 
start with credit cards. Parents, you know, if you've got good credits, when you get an additional cardholder for your child, they're at, your credit score actually, in many cases, will transfer over and dramatically help them. So I think we need to have more conversations about financial literacy. We should teach it in schools. You know, trigonometry is cool and all, but like, it's kind of crazy how we don't teach our young people in this country like about credit and, uh, you know, the things that actually impact every single day of your life. I think they just assume that everybody's going to learn it in college. And like, unless you're going into that route of like taking, getting a finance degree or business degree, you're probably not going to learn that. So I know we're going to talk a lot about points. We're going to talk about traveling and how to use all this to your advantage, but it may be like to start, like what are points? How are they accumulated and what can they be used for? So historically, like frequent flyer miles started in the late 70s. The airlines uh, used to be regulated by the government. So it was set rates. There was no competition. And then when the airlines got deregulated, they said, okay, well, now we need to start competing. And American Airlines came out and said, we're going to give a frequent flyer program. And we're really going to go after business travelers. And thus, the first frequent flyer program was created. So historically, they've been, you know, for frequent travelers, every time you fly, you'll accumulate miles that you can then, you know, redeem down the line. And somewhere along the lines so of all the airlines picked on hotels and then credit card companies, what they realized was that travel is such a great marketing tool. Like everyone wants to take a trip. So credit card companies said, hey, what if we bought tons of frequent flyer miles from the airlines and then we use them as incentives to get credit cards and is probably one of the most effective marketing tools ever created. And it's a great business. The airlines now sell billions of dollars worth to the credit card companies who then offer them to consumers. So today, points, you should think of as it's getting value back for every single thing that you do and everything you spend your money on. And the reason why that works in the US is that we don't have, uh, in, the, in the EU, for example, they've got strict regulation that banks can only charge a merchant. You know, the local restaurant can only be charged less than a cent uh, for every dollar that you spend. We call that the interchange rate. In the United States, our great capitalist nation, there's pretty much no major limits. So, you know, your mom and pop shops are paying 4% for the joy of having your credit card swiped and then that credit card company pay them to kind of manage a transaction. And what happens is now, so that cost is built in pretty much everywhere you go. You know, some small gas stations might give you a discount for cash or some retailers, but by and large, everywhere you go, the cost of that credit card transaction is built into the cost of, so whether if you pay cash, simply put, if you're paying cash or debit, you are foregoing the built-in cost of points that is built into the transaction. And essentially you are financing the points that they're gonna give to me. We will get you back to this episode of the Adversity Advantage in just one second, but first wanted to give a quick shout out to Organifi. As you know, Organifi is a line of organic superfood blends that offers plant-based nutrition made with high-quality ingredients. Each Organifi blend is science-backed to craft the most effective doses with ingredients that are organic and free of fillers that contain less than 3 grams of sugar per serving. Recently, I have been loving the refreshing taste of the new Organifi green juice, Crisp Apple. That's right, Crisp Apple. It comes with all the benefits you've come to love in the classic green juice with a new juicy twist. Enjoy the same fan-favorite nourishing ingredients such as ashwagandha, moringa, spirulina, and chlorella, designed to hydrate, energize, and support cortisol balance. The new green juice crisp apple is made with organic, wholesome, hand-picked apples. 
and tastes like a fresh, juicy slice in every sip, making it the first of its kind the whole family will absolutely love. It's only available for a limited time, so make sure to stock up now and take advantage of this nourishing green juice that tastes absolutely divine. So go to www.organifi.com backslash Doug and use code Doug for 20% off your order. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com backslash Doug and use code Doug for 20% off any item. If you suffer from digestive issues like gas, bloating, cramping, even when you're eating healthy, nutritious foods, then you could probably benefit from a high-quality enzyme. If you've never tried enzymes, or even if you've tried and they haven't worked, I want you to give this one a chance. As you know, I'm a big fan of the company Bioptimizers. They are one of the few supplement companies who have the best formulations and use the highest quality ingredients and their products work. I asked them if we could organize a great deal for all of my listeners, and they over-delivered. Right now, you can get a bottle of Mazimes for free. All you need to do is pay a small shipping fee, and there's no catch. There's no tricks, no forced continuity, and nothing to cancel. They are so confident in their products that they offer a 365-day money-back guarantee, so I'm positive you'll be satisfied with the results. Mazimes is a 17-enzyme full-spectrum formula, plus it contains all the key enzymes needed for optimal digestion. So many individuals suffer from digestive issues because any protein your body doesn't break down can lead to digestive distress, gas, bloating, and constipation. Mazimes can help ensure that all the protein that you consume breaks down into absorbable amino acids. So I strongly suggest that you head on over to their site to grab your bottle before they either run out or take down this offer. Go to mazimes.com slash free. That's M-A-S-S-Z-Y-M-E-S dot com forward slash Doug free, which is all one word. And you will automatically get access to your unique coupon code to claim your free bottle. Limit one per household. Offer is valid while supplies last. You're going to love their products. So go now. Now let's get back to the show. So you should have FOMO. You should want your share of points. And that's why I try to teach people that every single dollar you spend, put on a credit card, earn the points, and then pay it off that month. So you avoid the interest, you rake in all of these valuable points, and it gets really valuable. You know, these days it's not just one cent or one point per dollar. There's so much competition for consumers. There's probably 10 huge credit card companies. They've all got different credit cards with different points. You know, I earn five points per dollar on all of my dining with the City Prestige card. I get 4X on all of my grocery and also dining on Amex Gold card. So all of a sudden, everyday spend becomes huge point bonuses. And that's in addition to like the 100,000 points you can get just from signing up for a credit card. So it takes a little while to get into it. I don't, I have 25 credit cards. I have a nearly perfect credit score. I don't recommend everyone go out and get 25 credit cards, but you know, what you really need to do is look at what you spend your money on. And now even for rent, there's a credit card called Built, B-I-L-T, and it's no annual fee, and there's no fees to pay your rent, and you earn points, up to 50,000 points a year in rent. So for so many Americans, rent's your most expensive payment, and it'll even cut a check. If you've got like a mom and pop landlord that doesn't, doesn't want to do digital payments, it'll actually cut them a check. And because you're putting your rent on your credit card, your score goes up over time. So when you finally want to buy a home, your credit score is good. So there's a lot of different credit cards out there, but I would highly recommend people align. If you're spending a lot on groceries or gas or shipping, get the credit cards that give you the most value back. And the good thing is, you know, the points guy, we have an app that'll 
actually link up to what you spend your money on and will tell you what credit cards you should be using. But even if you just want to Google like the points guy, best credit cards for gas, there's already, the content's already been decided. You know, everything, how do I use my Amex points to go to Paris, right? There's content that we've written over the last 12 years on every single subject. So while it's kind of confusing, it's a hobby that like, some people love doing the crossword puzzle, but I'm a points person. I love booking trips with points and saving thousands of dollars. So my game isn't just for like bragging rights. Like I did the crossword. Like when I crack the code on a trip, it's like I get a $10,000 trip for free. And I think that's the coolest thing about the whole points game. Dude, you're a wealth of knowledge with this stuff and your app is awesome. I was playing around with it over the weekend and I think you can actually like connect all your credit cards and it can kind of calculate your net worth based on points with your credit cards, which I think is is really useful. Yeah, your credit cards, your airline miles, hotels. It's a little bit annoying at first to connect your accounts, I'll admit it, but what people don't realize is you have a lot more in value and points sitting around, and especially when you can visualize that in one spot. You know, just like Mint and all these you know, financial planning tools are so helpful when you actually see how much money you spend and how much you're saving. The same goes for points, and it can be really confusing, but once you have tools that actually aggregate all your points, you know, give you content that's relevant, help, and then it actually helps you use the points. That's, that's when, you know, you're not alone on this journey. There are so many tools out there. And, you know, I just think points simply put are a currency, just like, you know, the US dollar, crypto, but unlike crypto that could crash tomorrow, you have no control over it. What I love about points is the more you mine your knowledge. So if you're sitting at home right now listening, you've got a ton of American Airlines miles. The more you read posts from experts at the Point Sky, or there's several other big blogs out there, you'll actually, those points will become more valuable when you learn all the sweet spots and how to upgrade and to actually, so that's what I think is really cool about it. The more you mine your knowledge in this currency, the more valuable they become. You're right, man. And even over the last few weeks in researching you, I've learned that I've kind of been doing it wrong in that. I know one of your big tips is to diversify and really make sure you can maximize across the board with points. And I've just used my Southwest card for the last like 10 years because I've been like a loyal Southwest guy that's like a hub here in Baltimore. And I'm like, I'll just rack up points, rack up points. But now over the last few years where, where travel's been inconsistent and flights have been canceled, not as many flights, I'm like, man, looking at taking other airlines, I'm like, I can't because I have all these Southwest points. So with that said, like, what are a few credit cards that you recommend to the average person that can allow them to diversify in a way to maximize points? Yeah. And Doug, don't beat yourself up. I mean, having airline cards can make sense. And at, at a very minimum, at least you've been getting points. So many people haven't been paying attention or so you're not you're not completely wrong there, but you should diversify. And so there's three main types of credit cards. The one you just mentioned, it's the co-brand, right? It's the airlines, the hotels. The plus side of them is that you get perks. Like on that Southwest card, if you spend a lot, you could get companion pass status, which could give you tons of perks. And I, I don't have time to go into it today, but if any Southwest flyers are out there, you should understand the companion pass tier, Google it. And there's ways to get credit cards where you can basically have a free person fly with you for up to two years, completely free. It's unbelievable, crazy. But the airline cards are good for, kind of good for points, but they're great for perks. You know, a lot of airline cards will give you free check bags, which alone can pay for the credit card. But what you really want is the transferable points credit card. And any points expert will say, this is where the money's at. So these cards are like the Chase Sapphire, Amex Gold, Amex Platinum. 
Capital One Venture is a great one. And then that built card as well is a great no fee option. There's no annual fees and you can transfer those points to airlines and hotels. And what that allows you to do is instead of just putting it in one airline like Southwest, but hey, when you wanna to go to Europe, your Southwest points aren't that valuable. You know, they don't have many partners. But if you have, for example, Chase points, which transfer to Southwest, but they also transfer to, to United or to Air Canada, Emirates, Virgin Atlantic. So when it comes time to use those points, instead of just boxing in with a singular airline, you've got 10, 20, 30 different transfer partners. And that's where the real value is. You can, so getting a bank credit card that gives you transferable points. And once again, just Google the points guy, best transferable points, credit cards, each card, each program has different airline transfer partners. So if you love Delta, getting an Amex card is the best, you know, Amex gold is probably the best Amex points card. You can transfer those points to Delta to top up your account, or you can transfer to Emirates or Singapore airlines or a host, host of other airlines. And then the third type, if this, all of this sounds too much, say you don't even want to travel, you should get a cashback credit card. You know, the city double cash is basically 2% cash back on everything that you spend. When looking at cash back, you should be looking to earn about 2% back on your spend, one and a half to two. If a credit card is going to give you 1% cash back, it's a pretty terrible cash back card. So, so whether you want cash, which everyone does, or transferable points, so you have lots of options, or the airline card, those are the three main types. And, you know, I have all three of those different types. And based on where I want to go, what I'm spending my money on, I'll use different credit cards for different purchases. Yeah. So and you've talked about the importance of diversifying like you just did with cash back, you know, points that are transferable between airlines, hotels, that sort of thing. So how can somebody, and I imagine that you can do this in your app, if they want to know like, you know, what card, if I have three cards, which one should I use on groceries? Which one should I use to pay rent? Which one should I use, you know, for gas, that sort of thing? Like, is, is can your app do that? Yes. Yeah. So if you link your credit cards, we actually have a, uh, a feature in the app, pay with this, and it'll tell you which credit card you should pay with for the max points back. And one other thing I really want to stress, I think maybe one of the biggest mistakes people make is focusing too much on just the points. So perks are a huge factor of credit cards that most people don't even realize the perks that come along with their credit cards. These days, we've all seen on the news, airlines are canceling flights, delays, and in the US, if, you're, if your flight's delayed, the airlines don't owe you anything. They only owe you a refund. They don't need to pay you for your hotel room. Some might if they're nice that day, but in general, consumers have no protections when it comes to flights. But most credit cards, travel credit cards, offer what's called flight interruption and delay coverage. That may cover up to $1,000 per person in those extra fees, like hotel rooms, or if the airline misses your bag, credit cards will reimburse you People don't realize that. Don't you know the airlines might cut you a check after a, a year of complaining, but your credit card actually protects you. Also, credit cards have purchase protection. You know, I bought a pair of sunglasses and they fell off a boat when I was in Iceland, and the credit card company completely reimbursed me for it because they have purchased anything purchased within 90 days. If you lose it, it breaks, it gets stolen they'll reimburse. And people are always shocked when I tell them this, you know, and it's, it's like the wonky side of credit cards. Like who wants to sit there and read the pamphlet, the fine print. But I want to emphasize to people that 
points are just one aspect of the coin, but putting your purchases on credit cards with protection, some even have cell phone. You lose your iPhone or it gets cracked, check your credit card. A lot of them have coverage. So you just wanna make sure people understand the, uh, the value of putting purchases on cards. You get an extra layer of protection. Even if your airline goes bankrupt, which happened a lot during COVID, you know, the airline doesn't refund you because they're bankrupt. And when airlines go bankrupt, they just don't exist one day. And, but your credit card company is the one, because the credit card companies have a huge reserve before they pay the airlines. So they'll actually refund you when the airlines don't. Yeah, that's all good to know. And the, and the perks definitely add up. I mean, I know for my Southwest card that I've been loving so much, I'm half kidding. Um, no, but one of the biggest perks is that here in BWI, it's a Southwest hub. So there's like a A-list, like separate line for me. And I can just cut through security. Like I literally save like, 30 minutes every time I go to the airport because I get in a line, it's normally like three deep and I'm in and out of security. Yeah, I mean, perks wise, I mean, I'd be remiss not to mention, so a lot of credit cards will reimburse for global entry and global entry is unbelievable. Whenever you come back to the US from abroad, you zip through in 90 seconds, no waiting in those long immigration lines. And a part of that also includes pre-check. These days, the TSA is short staff, you see lines out the door. But pre-check, I mean, I've had it for over a decade. I get through in usually five to 10 minutes max. So, you know, if you can get that free from your credit card, there's tons of cards that offer it. Like use these perks, not only are they gonna save you time and money, but they make travel a lot better. And travel's packed these days and you kind of need to do everything possible to protect yourself because things inevitably will go wrong. Right, and, I, and I've just been experiencing this lately where I always joke that for the last couple of years, I've dodged all the, the travel stress where my flights were always on time. I always got where I needed to go. I traveled pretty consistently during the pandemic responsibly, of course. But but then like this last time I went to L.A., my 6 a.m. flight was just canceled because of the uh, crew was short or whatever. And I'm sitting there scrambling and I barely end up making it to L.A. But with that said, I'm going back in a few weeks and I've been trying to plan ahead and and I've noticed like the nonstop flights have gone down. Like there's only like one nonstop flight now that leaves from Baltimore. So not to get into my mess, but because I've already got everything kind of planned, there's a lot of people that are panicking right now. And they're the reason one of the reasons they're not traveling is because they're afraid their flight's going to get canceled. Like what are some of your best tips with everything going on right now? Yeah, well, you mentioned it. Getting the first flight out of the day in general, they can still be canceled due to staff issues. But the biggest factor of delays is usually air traffic and weather. And as the day goes along, basically there's too many planes landing at most major airports. And even if you live in a small airport, you know, your plane might be coming from LaGuardia, which is a disaster, right? So, you know, if there's a thunderstorm around New York City, be prepared for everything to get delayed because everything eventually routes through New York or the East Coast. So book the earliest flight out of the day, absolutely pay a premium if possible to to fly nonstop. If you have to connect these days, two hours minimum is what I recommend because you're gonna eventually get delayed. The problem is if you miss your connection these days, chances are you're not gonna get to where you need to go for a day or two in many cases because flights are sold out. So building in time, you know, if you're going on a $10,000 cruise, don't take the flight that gets you in with one hour to spare if anything goes wrong. So build in, plan for the times that we're in today, not the pre-pandemic days where you could have a 45 minute layover and, and make your flight. And yeah, I mean, I think when your flight gets canceled and you're scrambling, this is where points come in. Points are like an insurance policy. I've got a, a zillion and even when I'm in flight, I'll be checking my connecting flight time. You've got to stay proactive. And I use a service called flightaware.com. It's free. 
get the FlightAware app and you it'll actually tell you where your flight's coming from. And so you can be a step ahead of the airline. I usually will find out from FlightAware about delays or if, you know, if I know my flight hasn't left the airport it's coming from, I'm already starting to look at other options, right? And you know, so basically you need to be as savvy as possible and then use your points. You know, the airline eventually will refund you if your flight's canceled or super delayed. But if you sit on a, a line for eight hours waiting to get talk to someone, all the other flights will get snatched up. So you've gotta be fast. Rebook yourself using points on another carrier because airlines don't generally have to put you on another carrier. It's just their next flight available, which may not be for a while. So I think it's just being as aggressive as possible, trying to see around the bend enough, you know, more than your fellow passengers in order to rebook yourself if you really have to get to where you're going. And for real desperate situations, say you need to get to a wedding, you're the best man in a wedding, I will buy a flight on one carrier and then use points later in the day on another as my backup. And once my flight takes off, I'll cancel the other one because when you use frequent flyer miles, you can cancel free of charge and get all your miles and points back. So it's like kind of like an insurance policy. If one doesn't go, at least I've got a backup option. I don't do that every time I fly and certainly need to remember to cancel the other one. But in those times when you've really got to get somewhere, you know, it, it might make sense. That's I'm so glad you brought that up because I did that very thing when my flight had gotten canceled before and they ended up flying me to Austin and they said I was on standby and be and I was at the top of the list and then I got bumped down because I had to put more crew on the flight. So now I'm stuck in Austin and they they finally got me on a flight in, in Long Beach, but then I didn't know if it was going to my flight to Long Beach was going to actually take off. So I booked on Expedia, like maybe like another flight the next morning, just as insurance, and then canceled it once I got on my other flight to take off. So I th I'm glad you brought up like. And on that, you know, most uh, travel agencies and airlines will give you 24 hours to cancel your flight. So you can book something and then within that window, cancel it free of charge. Yeah. I love that. And I, that was a strategy I learned uh, the hard way, I guess, but I'm glad that you uh, reiterated that that's what you do as well. So like a lot of people right now, other than the the headache of what's going on at the airport and with flights, I mean, things are more expensive than they, they used to be. And they're trying to figure out how to take like a decent trip on a budget. Like what, what are some of your top tips for people listening to this if they're looking to take a decent vacation on a budget? There still are deals, you know, travel is expensive. There is a little bit of uh, hope in sight. You know, this summer is just really unique in that I think for the first time, you know, last summer there were still COVID outbreaks, the vaccines weren't, you know, readily, as readily available. This summer people are ready to travel and that's the biggest factor of fares is demand. So we've just seen unprecedented demand and we're seeing the meltdowns across the board and mostly in Europe, because what happened is during the pandemic, European airports laid people off like crazy because they didn't get the huge $50 billion government bailout we did in the US. So actually travel's not that bad in the US right now. Yeah, it's crowded, but like it's really melting down in Europe where 20,000 bags missing at Heathrow right now, you know, airline, it's, so back to budget, flexibility's key. And I recommend using Google flights so instead of just going to the airline that you want to fly and seeing what the price is, hey, that's expensive, google.com slash flights, it's a free tool, and it'll let you search by calendar. So I always pull in, you know, surrounding airports near you, and I look by calendar, and day by day, you can save a ton by switching your, your flight times or by airport. So it's those little tweaks and being flexible are what's going to help save you a ton of money. There are still deals that come around, you know, there's uh, the flight deal, 
Scott's Cheap Flights, Airfare Watchdog, those are all really good social media sites to monitor for cheap flights. The key is you've got to book immediately. When you see these scorching hot deals, they do not last. So like we just discussed that most airlines and travel agencies will let you cancel within 24 hours. When you see those scorching hot fares, and we've seen them like 150 bucks to Hawaii from the West Coast and you know really great spots in the Caribbean for under $200, book it, get your friends and family booked, and then you talk to your boss or friends. If you wait you know, and try to herd the cats, you know, hey, can you take, that's when the, the deals go quickly. So book quickly when you see a good deal and also just be as flexible as possible. Hopper is another good one that actually uses billions of pieces of data to show you, is this a good fare or not? And Google Flights also has the low, medium, and the high. These days, if you see medium or low, book it because fares just continue to go up and up. Yeah. I love that you pointed people to that. You're pointing people to these resources because I mean that's something that I think is is really important for people to do. Is like, all right, like see if there's a better flight somewhere else, or see if you can maybe go into fly out of a different airport or into a different airport. And you talked about some of these last minute deals that pop up. I'm sure you're you get a lot of information sent to you. You observe a lot of stuff as as part of your business. Like, where do you see value right now as far as travel? You know, there's a lot of amazing places. One final note on Google Flights, what I like is choose your vacation where the cheap fares are. So they have a feature called Explore where you can put in your home airport and it'll show you a heat map of where the low fares are. I personally, I think there's a lot of underrated destinations out there. If you want sun and a beach vacation, there's really awesome places. Nicaragua, Belize, Colombia, the dollar goes so far. That's actually one glimmering bright spot is that the US dollar is raging right now. It's like equal to the Euro, which hasn't happened in over 20 years. So even if you wanna to go to Europe, like Portugal, the US dollar is so strong. I mean, you can go out for an amazing meal in, in Lisbon, you know, for two people, top notch for 80 bucks. Like it's really 80 euros, which is now $80. It used to be a hundred and some. So when looking at the cost of trips, it's not just the airfare but also where the dollar is strong. You know, if you're going to go to South Florida these days, you're paying $800 a night on average in Miami. You know, it's crowded. You know, I love Miami, but go to Cartagena in Colombia. Airfares might be cheaper. And then once there, the U.S. dollar, you can live like a king there. I mean, 500 bucks in Cartagena is a huge hotel villa versus getting a shoebox room in Miami. I love Guatemala a lot. And, uh, you know, Mexico, you can never really go wrong. Mexico airports are actually running really smoothly these days. But yeah, I, I like just seeing, could use the explore map on Google flights and then see where the cheap fares are and then be adventurous. That's what travel's about. Go somewhere you haven't been where there's really cheap fares and just think the, all that money I'm saving on the airfare, I can invest in really cool experiences. That's, that's so true. It's like, an, it's so important to look for value and also like invest in the experience and not just like the airfare, because if your budget's $5,000 for a vacation and you're spending half of it on airfare, where it doesn't leave you a lot of room for food, hotel, and fun things to do. Speaking of travel, like a lot of people, they're always like trying to get the best possible deal at like a hotel and they're trying to get the best room or they're trying to even like upgrade their flight. Like is the best way to do that through points or does do certain credit cards have perks to be able to do that? So what I would recommend you not do these days, and I know we kind of talked about it, is booking through online travel agencies, Expedias. What happens is the hotels have to pay, and rental car companies have to pay them massive, huge commissions, 20%. 
So what happens is the hotels will oversell and then the first people they're gonna cancel on are people who have reservations through the online travel agencies. And it happened to me this summer in Paris. I got canceled on five days before I went and Paris was sold out. Yeah, I know people were like, they're doing that to the wrong guy. And of course I blasted on social media more as just like a, a learning tool for everyone. And I, I've talked to insiders in the industry, the best way to get the best room is to book directly with the hotel. Or if you book, uh, if you've got an Amex Platinum, they have what's called fine hotels and resorts or booking through a, uh, a travel agent like Luxury Travel Advisor, Virtuoso, they have direct connections with the properties. And if you book with a really good travel agent with a big network, the hotels will never mess with their clients because they know if they're gonna treat a client of a major tra like physical travel agent, they're gonna shake the bee's nest and not get any more business from, you know, so they know a lot's on the line when you have an actual travel agent. The online travel agencies, there's no direct connection with the hotel. It's, you know, they're really just a blocking force in between you and the hotel. In addition, when you book through the Expedia's of the world with airlines, if you need to change your flight, good luck. The airline says, we can't touch it, call Expedia. If you get the runaround, you can be in the airport trying to get rebooked and you're on hold for hours. So, and then, but using points can be a great way to get the best room. A lot of credit cards will also offer hotel elite status. Amex Platinum will give you Hilton status. There's a lot of the hotel co-brands that'll give you upgrades and elite status. So, you know, using points can be a great way to, uh, to get a nice, nice room at a hotel. Yeah. I mean, that's all great information because I think people listening to this, there's people that are just wondering like, how can I get the best like value for the dollar right now with everything going on? And I think people who are listening to this, if you can just take some of what Brian's saying and like just implement it on a, on a small basis, you know, start with a credit card or two, download the points guy app, go to his website and just figure out how you can maximize like what you have. And then like the little bit of additions you're making and then just like seeing where the best value is for travel. I think you'd be surprised with what you can get for not that much money. And so with all that said, like a lot of people are, we get the, these sign up offers in the mail from credit cards all the time. And I mean, I probably get like five to 10 a week. How can somebody decipher between them and like, how do they know if like, if the sign up bonus is worth it? So funny enough, it's, you know, 2022, sometimes getting those mailers in the mail can be really good deals. I'd always recommend you just Google whatever the credit card is, best offer, the points guy review of X credit card and see what our public offer is on the points guy site. We've also got a listing of all the top credit card deals. Sometimes in flight, I, I laugh because flight attendants now are paid to hawk credit cards and they kind of take it and run with it sometimes. They'll be like, this is four free flights to Hawaii. And I'm like, that's really not what you're gonna get from that. So always do your research, understand the type of card you're getting. You know, sites like the Points Guy, we've reviewed every card under the sun. You know, you can even search for the best offer we've ever seen on X credit card to see, you know, offers come and go. So always Google first before you apply for a credit card. But sometimes, yeah, those ones in the mail can be a really good deal. They do personalized offers now. And if the, you know, the credit card company, if you're not a member with them already, they might give you a lot more than if someone who already has a, a credit card with them. There's also a, if you Google the points guy card match, there's a tool that'll pull in to see if you have any specialized offers out there. You know, and sometimes we're seeing up to 150,000 points for a single credit card. And final thing about the credit card signup bonus is they're juicy and good, but just make sure you don't bite off more than you can chew. Usually they have, you have to spend a certain amount within three months. And I've, I've known people to get, 
oh, one day, one Saturday, they get excited and get three different credit cards. And then all of a sudden they've got to spend 20 grand in three months. And they're like, oh wait, you know, and if you, so don't bite up more than you can chew, take it slow and steady. Yeah, that's, that's so true. I'm glad you answered that because I was going to ask like, like how do you know if a sign up bonus is worth like the spend? Because you'll see some people where that you have to spend like five grand or something in 90 days and it might be five grand somebody doesn't have. And with that said, like how much are points worth? Like monetarily, how much is like, like 50,000 points worth? You know, in general, you're looking at about a cent per point. So 50,000 point sign up bonus, conservatively, you're going to be able to get 500 bucks. Generally, the no annual fee credit cards have less valuable points than if you have the Chase Sapphire Reserve, which is $550. And those points are worth 1.5 cents each baseline. But then when you transfer to airlines and book business and first class, you can get way more than that. You can get up to five cents per point in value. So we at the points guy, we do a monthly valuation of all the major currencies. So if you want to double check and see, hey, what is, you know, because 100,000 Hilton points is worth less than 80,000 American, just in the way that the programs are set up. But you also earn more Hilton points per dollar spent. So everything with points is how much you're earning and the type, how much it costs to redeem for things that are valuable. You know, we've got a pretty good uh, points valuation series going on at the points guy that dives into this in a deeper format. And it's really there just to give you a rough sense of what an offer could be. Right. And I've heard you say that for most, it's more valuable to have one with the fee because the fee, a lot of times you can get, you can utilize the perks that come with it, right? Absolutely. You know, in general, cheap is expensive. So the no annual fee credit cards, you know, while that may be appealing right off the bat, but you're not going to get a lot of perks and points and sign up bonuses. So I would say look big picture and look at the perks that you're going to get every year from that credit card. Usually getting a a card with an annual fee can get you much more back uh, in value over time. Right, right. Yeah, that all that all makes sense. And I think I've, I've learned that as I've been doing research in like talking to you about like, like what the fees mean and what you get and some of these credit cards, you get crazy perks with with the higher fees, like it's insane. Free breakfast, free check bags. I mean, the perks are really. I want people to to really look into them because they can they can add up quickly. And speaking of perks, the last thing I want to ask you is about hotels. In your opinion, if you maybe if you maybe pick one or pick two, like what are the best hotels for the money that you stayed in in the United States? Like if people want to get like luxury for value, like what are they? You know, I think instead of a singular hotel, I think the Hyatt Hotel Program is probably one of the best hotel programs in terms of value. They also have a lot of different partners and Chase Points transfer to Hyatt at a one to one ratio. And I'll just put it like this. Like I just stayed in Paris. It was 25,000 Hyatt Points for a thousand dollar a night hotel. That's four cents per point in value because I'm saving a thousand by just 25,000 points. So overall, the Hyatt Program is probably the top tier. Marriott's also very good and they've got a a much larger portfolio of hotels. Hilton's also very good. You know, it just depends on where you want to go, the types of hotels, but looking at those major chains, but I think Hyatt takes the cake in terms of lots of really unique properties. The Ventana Big Sur, there's all sorts of really good ways to use Hyatt points at a pretty good value. I'm going to start looking into Hyatt when we get off this because I mean, that one of the things that I've been doing over the last couple of days. I'm going to LA in a couple of weeks and I'm like trying to find a hotel to stay in. It's weird. Like the Hampton Inn in Santa Monica was like around the same price as the JW Marriott in Santa Monica. I'm like, so, this is so wild to me. <laughs> it is insane. Well, Brian, this has been awesome. And I think people 
are going to learn a lot. They're going to want to download your app. They're going to want to read the blog. If they want to connect with you more and follow along with you or the points guy on social media, where's the best place for them to do that? Yeah. So I'm my personal travels and tips is just at Brian Kelly. And I have tons of pinned Instagram stories with all of my tips. I'd also recommend if people are checking luggage, you get Apple air tags to track your bags these days because airlines are losing them like crazy. I've got all these tips up on my, uh, on my Instagram, but thepointsguy.com is where all of our content is and at thepointsguy on all social media for our brand account. Sweet. Well, I'll make sure to plug all that stuff in the show notes. And for those listening, what I invite you to do is to share a takeaway. Maybe it was something that Brian said about debt. Maybe it was something that he said about different types of credit cards or points or how you can maximize your travel or travel smart with uh, the chaotic travel that exists today. Whatever it was, tag Brian, tag the points guy. We'd love to hear your feedback. And we once again, thank you for listening to this episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst, and we'll see you next time.